Welcome to episode 104 of the Houston Round Bar Review presents Folks Talking Sports. I am KG Chris Gardner, owner of the Houston Round Bar Review, and with me is Andy Yanez from Paul Slamajama. A lot to talk about today. We're going to be a lot of college football realignment. We're saying hi, and now we're going to say listen to this mellow music because the rest of the show won't be as mellow as this. Right back in a few seconds. Miller Mood is it has been established, and now we're going to get into it. Andy Yanez, young man, how are you? I'm doing good, Chris. You can see I got a fresh cut over the weekend. I, I see good. Got your got your locks cropped, Mr. Yes, Willie sir, Gibson. I did. Are you ready, sir? Going to bring in brother Gibson, Willie Gibson from Ohio. How are you, Mr. Gibson? Doing well, gentlemen. How are you? I'm doing well. Let's see. First things first. For Brother Gibson, mm-hmm. first headliner, Bam. Yeah, Bam number one, Oregon to the Big Ten. Bam number two, UW to the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. And of course, the ones that Andy and I care about more than Mr. Gibson in the Big Ten, the big one, <laughs> the bigger one, Bam number three. Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah joining the Big 12. We have our one of our Queen supporters here going to give her a shout-out. Miss Wanda Polk, a loyal supporter of the Houston Round Bar Review, and Paul Samajama, Les Rage Cougs. Thank you, Miss, Miss Queen, for watching the show. Mr. Gibson, your thoughts on it? The Bounds 1 and 2. Oregon and UW joining the Big Ten. Um, expected last. Well, let me go back. How much time I got? You got as much, as much time as you need. All right. So, um, because I know it's going to be. I, well, you said the Big Ten wasn't expanding, and at the time that was the case. Go back to last year and shout out to Kevin Warren, uh, former Big Ten commissioner, because he was a visionary. He saw things that no one else saw at the time. He tried to get people to see them, but they weren't ready to see them. Um, when UCLA and USC was added to the Big Ten last year to make it 16, he actually was looking to go to 20. He actually requested of the Big Ten presidents to add UCLA, USC, Kyle Stanford, Oregon, Washington. Right. At the time, the presidents of the Big Ten and chancellors of the Big Ten Denied his request. He said, no. They said, nope. We only want USC and UCLA. Fine. So, and at that time, there was no more There was no more talk of expansion for the last year. I mean, as recently as the third week of June, I had conversations. It was, no, we're, done. we're focused on integrating USC and UCLA in 2024. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a meeting, a Big Ten media day. Uh, at the NCAA offices, that uh, things changed. Where leaked that Colorado is doing some things as part of the Big Twelve, and uh, 
that started the ball rolling. And that's kind of how this happened so quick because all the background work was done on Oregon and Washington last year. Right. So this wasn't a pause real quick there, brother Gibson. Yeah. Yep. I want folks who are watching us on the platforms, YouTube and for now X mm-hmm. that the media day you're referring to is the big 10 football Thank media day. Thank you. Um, okay. Thank you. Because yeah. I, I want the audience and newcomers to know that, we're, we do football discussions here as well. So yeah. that's what, be clear about that. You attended the Big Ten Football Media Day. Yes. I attended the Big 12 Football Media Day. So welcome to those who are new to folks talking sports because we do talk sports here and not just hoops. You got it again, my, my man. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. At the Big Ten Media Days, Football Media Days, uh, there's conversation. Uh, actually, Gene Smith had a meeting uh, that was attended by Colorado ad uh, rick george and he mentioned he had to leave right because things were happening and that kind of got to stop at the start started the ball rolling because tony Petiti actually on wednesday at the opening addressed that there, there's no more expansion we're focused on ucla usc so when that happened the ball started rolling and if you go back and look at my media feed or my twitter feed or x feed uh from last thursday in the middle of big 10 media days I tweeted that Oregon. You, you posted, sir. You posted. Yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you yeah. repost him? Yeah, I guess. I guess. But I, rep- I posted that Dan Lanning of Oregon had a contract extension. Mm-hmm. And so, if you wait, why would I, the Big Ten, in the midst of Big Ten media days, post about a Pac 12 coach getting a contract extension? Well, I was told that. I sat through the Board of Regents meeting at the University of Oregon, and I was told at that meeting they would be discussing Mm -hmm. coming to the Big Ten. Right. They tabled it later, I found out, because Washington got cold feet at the time. Mm -hmm. Washington um, wanted more money, and they squawked. The the offer was $30 million per year for each year of the seven-year TV deal. Washington's response was, I spend $10 million a year in travel. So the $20 million is the same I would be getting if I stayed in the Pac-12. So they wanted more money. That's why Oregon did not discuss it at that Board of Regents meeting. Uh, long story short, the, the compromise was they start out at $30 million per year, mm-hmm. and $1 million per year is added to their take their their share right for the remaining six years of the deal and also by the way they can borrow against future earnings. right Imagine negotiating that. that's what it is negotiating yeah yeah so that got washington on board um so yeah so that kind of got devolved when the president of chancellors met uh tuesday i believe gave commissioner Petiti uh uh the go ahead to move forward and that's what you got on Friday, I believe. I know the days are mixing. Man. It, it's, oh, it, it's it's all been a blur. Yeah, <laughs> there's no doubt. It's yeah. all been a blur. Yeah. Thank you for that summary. We're going to tie it all together, but I want to answer this question from Joe Mendez. With 16 no. schools, does that mean UH will get a thinner piece of the revenue pie? No, sir. Is a pro rata clause in the media rights deal that the Big 12 has with ESPN and Fox, where everyone receives. And equal well, everyone from the autonomy five receives equal shares. So UH mm-hmm. 
the only smaller pie they'll get will be as a new member coming from the American. So these first two years in the Big 12, they'll get 20 million, but in the third year, they'll be getting the 32 million or whatever it might be at that point. But yes. So Chris, just to clarify, in 2024, Colorado, Utah, Arizona, Arizona State will be making more money than U of H? Yes. Because they were they were initially autonomy five schools, not coming from the G five. So yes, let's be clear on that as well. So that is important, but it was already it was also known by UH, UCF, and Cincinnati about that arrangement that they would be getting a reduced share for the first two years and then a full share in year three, which is still faster. Will as you just referenced, Oregon and Washington won't get a full share until the basically the next media rights deal for us yeah. So that getting it in the third year, as opposed to what seven years from now, eight six years, or seven years, eight, eight years, years from, now. from now is a big deal. So that's great news for UCF, Cincinnati and UH. Joe, thank you for the question. Tony M. Thank you. Big Thrillo. Thank you. Miss Wanda. Thank you. Will, Andy, I'm going to post an article from the Oregonian Oregon live from, I think Joe Crepia. Mm-hmm. follows Oregon. This is sad. Okay, well, let me just preference it like this. If, if folks who had not heard or did not have time to follow, Arizona State President Michael Crow oh. almost dropped the bag. Almost dropped the bag. Almost, I'm being nice, almost effed it up for everybody. I was trying to be nice but to drop the bag. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And I specifically, it sounds like Arizona State for sure, depending on you talk to Arizona as well, because some folks say they were joined at the hip, tied at the hip. They were both coming or not coming to the Big 12. Others say no, Arizona was coming regardless. But Michael Crow, Thursday in state's meeting, just went on like long-winded diatribes. Just clinging to this hope, belief, prayer, wishing a prayer that he was going to die on this hill. With the pack nine at the time, just die on the hill. We got to do this. We got to do this. We're going to stick together. Colorado's gone. They're not a big loss. We're gonna. We're gonna be fine. <laughs> All right. Article from what is this Friday? Like I said, what's the fifth Saturday? <laughs> it's all. It's right. all a blur. Right. But check this out. And I'm going to make it big, Will. So we're going to go away. So yeah. everybody can get a chance to read it. Yeah. So let me make it larger. Look at this. Look at this. Friday morning at 7 a.m., another meeting, call meeting of the Pac-12 presidents. And some schools didn't show up, Crow told reporters in Tempe on Saturday. So you might know that then, therefore, the conference was no longer viable. Once Oregon and Washington decided to go to the Big Ten, the Pac-12 conference was no longer viable. You can't be in a non-viable position for more than a few hours in our minds. We resolve that. You have two teams not present and no media, media contract. You've got to act. And let me stop right there. Right there. This man or that man was still under the, I'm going to say delusion, that Oregon and Washington were going to sign a grant of rights deal 
to stay in the pack despite it being a sinking ship taking on water that everybody else saw except him. So he seemed shocked and stunned when Oregon and UW did not attend the meeting. Okay, well, your, your thoughts on that right there. Will, what you, <laughs> from your perspective, right there. He didn't want to believe it. He was in self, he was in, he was in denial. Yes. Period. There, there's no other way to describe that. And, and, and he was the key Pac-12 president clinging to Larry Scott for so long as commissioner, previous commissioner of the Pac-12. Michael Crow, for the longest, drank all of Larry Scott's Kool-Aid. Drank, drank it all and then asked for more. More and more and more. Even though those around him could see Rome burning. <laughs> burning, crumbling around him. Yeah. New commissioner comes in. He's still Pac-12, the Conference of Champions, on and on. Back to the article. And it's key. With the key, Will, with the key. With the key. <laughs> on the road again. Washington President Anna Marie Koch, Kochi, C-A-U-C-E, said the proposed media deal from Apple to the Pac-12 was not viable. Yep. It was not the deal that we had been discussing just days before. She said that yesterday. When you have a deal that people are saying one of the best aspects of it is you can get out in two years, that tells you a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed it does. Let me jump to Michael Crow and what he said was being proposed to him for the conference. There were a lot of forces at work, including the overlords of the media empires that are out there that were driving a lot of this. Crow said the Colorado departure was really an indication of the fact that there was great instability in the media market and it created an unstable moment. No kidding, man. But here's the, the meat. We were offered a media contract by the Apple Corporation, which was a technological 23rd century Star Trek thing with really unbelievable capability that we were very interested. ASU was very interested in. Digitization of all ASU football games, all men's basketball games, and all women's basketball games instantly and available anywhere in the world at the touch of a button from any device anywhere. Digitally then manipulable by the watcher both during the game, in between games, in between multiple games at the same time, as well as usable by athletes for recruitment and so forth, and so on after the games as an archive of things. We thought there was some risk, but huge opportunity. Several other schools were committed to that, but it created a destabilizing moment of traditional versus this modern thing. Thoughts on that? Andy, please. I, yeah, I, I know what I, yeah, Andy, you're the you're the generation of this. You, what yeah. are your thoughts when, I, when you saw that? Arizona State, the stalwarts saving, trying to fight 
till the last till the clock struck midnight fighting for the Pac-12. They were the the one school that was still true holding on to its roots. It's a lot of it's a lot. To me it, cro- it comes across as a lot of baloney. And you look at the Apple the Apple Corporation deal, a lot of the Star Trek. It's futuristic. It's 23rd <laughs> century. Let's be honest. There's a reason why it fell apart. And the reason it fell apart is because Washington and Oregon did not buy that. And they didn't see the we're going. It's where the future is going. And look at some of the professional leagues that have deals with Apple, MLS in, in particular. They made a big move when they landed, when Miami landed Lionel Messi to play in the MLS. Mm-hmm. So to get him to be a part of the league, they were able to structure his contract where he got a portion of the Apple TV revenue. Right. That's why that's a big reason why he's here. I'm not sure what the impact he's had on the Apple TV subscription since he joined Miami. But let's be honest. Chris, I'll ask you. If the Pac-12 made that deal with with Apple, would you sign up for no, Apple TV? There's there's well, no there's no messy in <laughs> in the Pac-4 now. There's no messy in the Pac-X. No. Will, would you sign up for the Apple TV? Absolutely not. So outside of the diehard supporters of the program, alumni of the individual schools, you're not going to convince you know, John Smith living in the East Coast, John Smith living in the Midwest, John Smith living here in Texas, in the South, wherever you're located, to sign up for the Apple subscription service. And I believe the magic number in one of the articles, I think this was the article in The Athletic uh, that mentioned it, if they got to 1 million subscribers... They, their media deal went up to around the Pac-12, the Big 12's 32 million per school, I believe. Yeah, I believe it was in the. Athletic I think program. that's right. Yeah, might be if a little they, bit more than that, but yeah. If they got up to five million, five million, apparently they could compete with the Big Ten and the SEC's media deals. The big question was, no one believed that they could achieve those millions of subscriptions. Right. Right. So at the end of the day, what the Apple TV, the Apple Corporation deal was, it was a big dream. It was a big, honestly, it would have been a Hail Mary, the last ditch attempt to save the conference. And Oregon and Washington didn't want to be a part of it. They chose stability. Colorado made the first move. They chose stability and the known over the unknown. And that's why the Pac-12 fell apart. Well said, Andy. And Will, get your thoughts on this. Hmm? But the details that came out finally, officially, publicly, we knew some of this stuff months ago that the deal was not going to be $50 million per, like George Klyukov said, what, in December, January, something like that? He said that it was going to be equivalent to the Big Ten, which no way in hell that was going to happen. Andrew Marchand, very well-respected media journalist at the New York Post, said March, February, March maybe of this year that the Pac-12 at that time 
and ESPN, Fox, the media partners, corporations, were $200 million apart per year in negotiations. That hasn't, that, that never changed. Then Andrew Marchand and others, John Oran is, is his podcast partner. At, he's at Sports Business Journal. Also said that any deal that they do get will be heavily streamed, streaming, a heavily streaming deal. So it was already out there. Oh, no, 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 no. We got Pac-12, B-Riders, diehards, loyalists. Oh, no, no, no. It's going to it's going to just dwarf the Big 12. My folks say, well, who are the? Well, you know, don't worry about that. But my people say you got the Pac-12 president saying in two weeks, y'all heard it. In the, in, in the near future, that was that was the catchphrase right there. In the near future, we're going to get a great deal. It's going to surprise everybody about how great this deal is. In the near future, that was January. In February, still the near future. In March, we're two weeks away. April, in the near future. In May, two weeks away. Nothing changed. <laughs> Nothing changed. Mm-hmm. And... The folks I talked to, a higher up folks, told me a while ago Colorado was coming over because the numbers, they never got concrete numbers that were any good, that were any equivalent to what the Big 12 was providing. That didn't change. That didn't change last week before the Buffaloes rejoined the Big 12. Didn't change Tuesday at that, the, what, the first emergency meeting of, the, of, the, of last week for the PAC, nor the one Friday. Friday morning. Oh, Thursday night. Arizona's going to the Big 12. Friday morning. Oh, the Pac-12 got a Hail Mary. Any reference? Hail Mary. You got national outlets reporting. The Pac-12, a hell of a comeback. They're going to save the day. Everyone's going to sign a grant of rights. Why did anyone with a functioning, in the words of Hercule Poirot, little gray cells, believe that Oregon and UW are going to sign a grant of rights with, a, with an out in two years. Come on. That was not happening. It was not going to happen. And then an hour after oh, the Pac-12 is saved, oh, well, no, that plane's not landing. Oregon and Washington are out. They're going to the Big Ten. <laughs> Come on, folks. Sometimes, Will, outlets like our, our little small platform here on YouTube and and other small platforms also on YouTube. No folks to have connections to have sources to and you follow the right folks. Those folks were right for months right all along about this. Not the national folks. I'm not going to say them at the three letters or the four letters but as little outlets like us who Survive on advertising, survive on super chats, survive on all those things to keep keep these platforms going. So just mm-hmm. putting it out there. So support the round bar view, FTS, click on that dollar sign, get you a super chat going here, get it posted here. I'm doing the live stream, but we know stuff too. Joe Mendez asked a great question. Mm-hmm. I touched on it. My thoughts. Oh, I think I posted a little one on none on YouTube. Thursday, I think it was Thursday, about Gonzaga and, and UConn coming f- to the Big 12 for basketball only. I just don't see it. 
I, I don't see it, especially UConn. The Big East is is a Big East hoops is, is a hell of a conference. Mm. I mean, the Big 12 overall, top to bottom, is a superior men's basketball conference. But the top of the Big East can go toe-to-toe with the top of the Big 12 in men's hoops. Let's not kid ourselves on that. The money part, UConn would like to come to the Big 12. What well wanted to come to the Big 12 with all their sports. Because ultimately, their revenue would be more than the five, six million they'd get and earn currently in the Big East. But as basketball only, eh, does it make sense for UConn to do that? Because they are a reigning kings of the Big East and could be year in, year out in the Big East. So money they could earn from advertising, money they could earn less than reducing travel, expenses, staying in the Big East. I don't see it. I don't see them coming to the Big 12. Gonzaga, same thing. They wanted to bring all their sports to the Big 12. Oh, no. Yeah, guys, no, not really. No, we just want your basketball. Oh, we want you to keep your your other sports in the West Coast Conference. Oh, well, you sure you, you sure about that? Well, well, and that was before Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah joined the big, the Big Twelve. So now, when they join, there'll be sixteen members. So I do not see. I don't know. It's been kicked around Friday a little bit. I don't see UConn and Gonzaga agreeing to just come in for hoops only and it being a 18 team Big 12 for hoops. I don't see it. What do you guys think? Doesn't make sense. I, I agree. Uh, I don't see that at all. Andy? Absolutely. I agree 100%. Uh, the, the moves by Utah, Arizona, Arizona State, it, it erases the need to add. Certainly, uh, it really it erases the need to add any schools that are not Power Five programs. Like there's no there's no reason. And again, look at localizing it, looking at it from a Houston perspective, going back to where the conference was just two years ago when Texas and OU left. Houston, for the first time in in decades, Chris, you can attest to this. They find they were saved. Yeah. They were saved that they were able to join the Big 12 Conference when they did. Because if you're not a part of the quote-unquote Power 5, Power 4. Power 4 now. Power 4, yep. For now. There's really no chance of you, as your university, being able to be on that top four conference. It's it's. The Big Ten isn't going to add anyone that's not a Power 5 school. The SEC certainly is not going to add anyone that's a non-Power 5 school. The Big 12, there's no reason for it. Now they have 16 power programs at this point, and the Atlantic Coast Conference, they, 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 some smoke starting to come from that conference, but there's, it doesn't make sense for them to add anyone that's not uh, Power 5. Maybe the Pac-4 <laughs> adds some, but... Are they really going to be viewed as an autonomous five conference now? No, no, they're not. No. And the thing, the dilemma that the Pac-4 is in, anyone from a G5 conference, Mountain West, the American, 
have to pay exit fees to join the Pac-4, ranging from 25 to $34 million. What G5 school can afford that? And then why would that G5 school do that to go to a Pac-4 who may not maintain autonomy status going forward? Somehow they got to get to, what is it, six or eight? Six. Six. To, to maintain a conference, you, you know, maintain an A5 status. I, I Never say never. SMU may have the money to do it, but they're just not. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. It no longer makes sense for SMU to go to the pack. And that's not even factoring the travel they would also have to do. The travel, that'll increase the travel expenses. And now, Apple they doesn't have off. to give them. They pull the offer. I think the deadline was Friday. They pull the offer. So now Apple could go to the Pac-4, or if there's any discussion of a merger, which still needs to address, what about the exit fees? Apple says, well, based on what, what's here now, the membership that's here, Oh uh, yeah, we were offering twenty million to the, to nine members, and there's four of you now, four autonomy five and five G five. Uh yeah, we can give you like five million per. <laughs> so, and I'm just putting it out there. I don't know if that's right. It it won't be twenty million. We know that for sure. It shouldn't be ten million per. If it were, take that, run with it. <laughs> Run with that because that'd be more than what SMU is getting in the American, which is like seven or eight million per. And the Mountain West is like five or six million per unless you're Boise State. So I don't know what a merger between the, the Pac-4 and the Mountain West. Legalese, they got to they got to spin it. Because if they do merge. Then are they looking the other way regarding exit fees because they're not really exiting the Mountain West <laughs> because it it does not exist if there's a merge with Pac-4? Is that, that how you get around the $34 million exit fee? In a way to keep the autonomy status because Oregon State, Washington State, Cal and Stanford, if they go to the Mountain West, then they will lose their A5 status. Unless Legally, they could figure out a way to keep that. But how could they if they're going to go from an autonomy school to a G5 school? Mike Resco, sorry. <laughs> it is what it is. So I'm curious how that's going to work out. We'll see. But Andy touched on it and want to acknowledge Keenan here. Thank you for the comments. Thank you for that. And we will discuss Cougs a little bit more. It's amazing how things have changed in two years. Two, three years. Before 2021, before UH was accepted into the Big 12, woe is me. Life in the American, it's, it's, it's awful. It's not going to get better. We got to get out of this. What can we do? It's, it's, oh, it's, it's rough being the G5. Then the, then the lifeline came. Bob Bowlesby said, hey, BYU, UCF, Cincinnati, UH, Pac-12 said no to us. We're going to try to stabilize ourselves. Come be with us. That 
saved a lot of folks. It saved the Big 12. It saved UH. Because without the influx of revenue, the increase of revenue in a few years, UH would continue to bleed a lot of red ink. Continue being subsidized by student fees. And I think Cincinnati's in that same boat. Mm-hmm. But that it's going to end with the influx and increase in revenue. But some UH fans, UH alums, now are jubilant. Oh, life been a whole 35 days, 36 days, 37 <laughs> days. Oh, man, we're, we're power five now. Oh, man, life is good. Sitting in the castle, life is good. Oh, man, SMU, ah. Sucks for, sucks for y'all. Memphis, ah, oh, y'all nothing. Y'all don't mean squat. Yo, they really love that Memphis. Hell, they, oh, they love it, love it. All oh, Oregon State, y'all trash. Y'all, y'all nothing. Y'all nothing. Ah, oh, whatever. <laughs> Went too long ago. <laughs> Life in the American. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh no. What are we gonna do? Oh my gosh. What? Oh. But I, I'm saying I'll speed it up. In about two, four, five years, when the three letters and the four letters say, you know, guys, we want to have a, a Premier League version of college football here in the States. Relegation. We want to have 24 teams. That's one big old conference, 24 teams. And if UH is not part of that 24, then what? You be back to oh woe is me. Oh, the NCA sucks. How dare they do this to us? The NCA must be stopped. Regulation, regulation. Oh, something's gotta be done. But for the time being, oh man, we're, we're sitting pretty. Well, you know, just sitting pretty. Regardless of the fact that the 20 million currently, 30 million eventually. Will, how much is Ohio State getting in the media rights deal? Or right now. Get, right, now. Yeah. right now it's 55. Uh, next year when the new deal starts, it's upwards of 75. 75 million. 32. Yeah. 75 million, 32. Andy, I haven't heard Chris Pesman go Florida State and say, we cannot live. We cannot survive on this Revenue gap of $30, $40 million annually. How can we be expected to compete for championships if there's such a huge gap? Andy? Where they're coming from, that you can't, you're not going to make that argument right now. But like you said, we'll, we'll see where, where it stands uh, five years from now. You know, Baylor, TCU, the current members, the older members of the conference, mm-hmm. they might say that. They're not going to say it. Hey, there you go, Willis, for you, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tony M. Yes, sir. Yes, and sir. at the, the end of it, didn't it, could it be close to like 80 or more? Yep. Yep. And that's the media rights. Yes. So Big 12 media rights could grow. And I'm not counting CFP money, college football playoff money, the revenue shares from the NCAA tournament, not counting that. But projected could grow to about 40, 45 million per. 
you, you just mentioned you meant to say Chris, and I've been thinking about this now with the the pack. With the new twelve team pack playoff in twenty twenty four, they had an automatic bid. Mm-hmm. So as an, now, as an autonomy program, yes. right? So what happens to the playoff now? That's yes. gonna, that's yeah, it's gonna be real interesting. I'm glad I'm glad you brought that it's, up because that hasn't been discussed a lot publicly. Sucks for you, Tulane. Enjoy those games at Temple. See, don't do Willie Fritz like that. Willie Fritz is a good man. Good man, good program at Tulane. And should Stan do Drayton, well. Stan Drayton at Temple. Response to my question. That's a great question. Go to it. Clip on there. From the American Football Media Day. Yes, I was there. Yes, reminding that to everybody. As well as advertise on the show. Contact me, Andy Will, about advertising here on FTS. Working on some stuff for Let's Rage Cougs. Got that close to finalized. So advertising there. But got other platforms, other shows here on the Round Bar Review channel looking for advertising. So Will and Andy and I can make our trips around the world covering sports <laughs> as part of Fossil Majama and Houston Round Bar Review to provide you, you content that you can't get elsewhere. Just putting that out there, putting it in the universe. Because I'm watching billions, catching up, watching billions, binge watching. So I'm being inspired now, Will. I'm thinking global more and more so, trying to get my, my mind right about money. As well, you should. Absolutely. But how about it? Four years from now, two years from now. Well, back to it. The CFP. Yep. What's going to happen? What needs to happen? Is there a timeline for the Pac-4 to add members, fold, whatever, in order to still be part of the automatic bid in the CFP? Or will that go to another G5. Well, how's it going to work? I'm kind of curious to see how that works. Only information right now is we're, we're looking into it. Yeah, we're looking That's into it. Yeah. Because lawyers will be involved because they really got to figure out alright, well, if we merge with the Mountain West, does that maintain our autonomy status? And does that eliminate the exit fees for them? Because if not, then we can't do that. So what can we do to stay? <laughs> what can we, I mean, it's it's a mess. Yeah. Got to be figured out. I still go back to it. At some point, college football, Division One college football, needs to finally cut away from the NCAA. We were touched on it. The college football playoff is not part of the NCAA. No. The NCAA does not do the promotion, handle any of that for the CFP. So just continue it. Just cut off, be college football, have your own legislation, your own rules, because at some point in the future, the big wigs, the bigger teams are going to go in, I think, it's inevitable, pay their student assets, Will. Their contract players, contract employees, whatever you want to call them. It's currently called student athletes, but I'm not a coach. I don't understand. I really don't understand why our colleagues nationally or why media any, anywhere who covers college sports, semi-pro sports, continues to refer to these young men and women as student athletes. They, 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 they acquiesce to the narrative of their media part, their business partners. But me, well, the three letters, I, I, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, see, three, the three, three letters and the four letter folks, I can understand that. Yeah. 
they, you know, a buck's a buck. Yeah. These are student assets. Yeah. These last few days. Yep. Has proven this is business. This is big business. To that point, Chris, I, I, I communicated with somebody that's in touch with some Pac-12 softball players that are hot to sure. say it mildly about I went to this Pac-12 school so my parents wouldn't have to travel to see me play. And now I'll use the example I used earlier. I was speaking to somebody. Oregon's women's lacrosse team has to go play Rutgers on a Wednesday night. Flying from Portland, Eugene, Portland to Newark, New Jersey. And then say three of those young ladies have an 8.30 a.m. biology midterm on Thursday. What happens? Are they gonna they're gonna take the red eye back to Portland to be in position? I mean, what kind of condition would they be in after a cross country overnight flight to take that eight thirty a.m. midterm? What gets me, and we're gonna talk Cougs in a second because I, I did a little scheduling regarding the Big Twelve and twenty four twenty five slide. I want to put that up in case folks haven't seen it in video form on YouTube yet. Yeah, to, to the folks, what we're gonna say, Will? No, you were to that point. Last month, the Big Ten released the schedule matrix for the 24-25 season with USC and UCLA. That now has to be retooled yep. to add Washington and Oregon. Yep. To the fans and some folks saying it'll be this. Got to has to be this, and it's got to be agreed upon by the professors. Online class from now on has to be. But even that, you got to make sure you got good Wi-Fi. That's not a guarantee where you are in airports or or, or the bus back to the airport or the hotel, hotel? you're staying. Let me talk all from of personal that. experience, a hotel yeah. will probably not have good I think Wi-Fi. All of us have had that. at some point. Yeah. Yeah. To the folks saying, "Well, you shouldn't have gone to that school. You should have gone to somewhere closer. You knew, you know, football pays pays the bills for athletics." Will and Andy, D-Skills, Joe, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be, to borrow the term from my man, Willie Gibson, I'm going to be petty tendergrass. <laughs> Tell me, where, where is Ohio State's football stadium located? Where as far as? Is it on campus? Yes, yes. So it's still part of the university? Yes. So if Ohio State, Michigan, other big wigs who play football on campus separate from the NCAA, is that saying they're separating from the university where they're playing their football games on campus? No. no. So then why would they stop sending some money to the athletic department? Because some folks seem to say, well, football goes to separate ways. They're not going to contribute to the non-Olympic sports. Why? Where are they going? Right. They're still on campus, right? They they're are. still part of the university, right? Or are they going to become, um, give me a company in Columbus, Will. Give me a company. Nationwide. Nationwide insurance. Are they going to become the nationwide Buckeyes rather than the Ohio State Buckeyes and lose that branding? Are that are that's what they're going to start doing? No, is a team up north going to become 
the team up north, Wolverines, rather than Michigan? No. So the money will continue going to the athletic department. It's just some folks just, oh, well, it's not my fault you don't play football. It's not my fault you don't play basketball. And some of these same folks are in the just blinded. Well, who was the most popular? What sport has the most popular athlete in college sports? Football. No, no, no. College in terms football. of social media. Oh, oh. Uh, the young lady from uh, LSU Gymnastics. Libby. Gym, uh, gymnastics. What, Olivia. What gymnastics. Yeah. That ain't football. Remember her last that ain't basketball. Right. Those folks did not see that women's softball had better ratings than some of the men's sports, the champions, World, the College World Series. Yeah. Put some better numbers. Well, who watches women's sports? Well, clearly you don't, but a lot of other folks do. Yeah. Women's volleyball ratings booming last few years. Well, who watches it? Well, just because you don't watch it does not mean other people do. So, uh, you know, that narrative is tired and it's lazy. You may live and die with football. That's fine. America thrives on the folks who live and lust and die with football, pro and college. Folks who feel like they cannot do without football in their lives. But there are other sports. And clearly, those folks don't have are not parents of kids who compete in the non-Olympic sports. Soccer, volleyball, baseball softball, tennis, golf, track and field. Heck, some of those sports don't even have full scholarships. Right. I think Ohio State's baseball, men's baseball team has, I think, a total of 11 scholarships that they fraction off per player. Yeah, like you're giving partial scholarships to those yeah. student assets. Back to it, student assets. Yeah. I'm stepping off my, my podium. I don't want to lose any more folks who are watching us here on YouTube and, and Twitter. But this slide I'm going to pull up here. It was, excuse me, X. Uh, let's see. This is, I think this is it. All right. Let me get us back on the screen here for this one. And see, big thrillo. Watches softball. Softball gets more ratings, better ratings than men's college baseball world series mm -hmm. but there you go for men's basketball the future big 12 the 16 teams and 24 25 that's the net rankings for men's hoops as best as one as worst as 84 16 teams <laughs> men basketball top eight the worst is 27 don't be a gauntlet. So keep that in mind, Andy. Joe Mendez, D-Skills, keep that in mind. Ladies next. Not quite as good. <laughs> Not quite as good. Three of the four highest or best net rankings will be coming from the pack. Utah at eight, Colorado at 20, and Arizona at 27. So the range is 8 to 194 for women's hoops. So there's a range there. And I've said it for a while here. Big 12 women's basketball is no longer elite, especially without Kim Mulkey coaching at Baylor. Shout out to Coach Mayweather in Cincinnati. He's yes. Come. 
she's coming. She's going to turn things around in Cincinnati, and I was going to leave it at that. I'm not going to go anything to anything else because Andy yep. gets on me about other things I say about other folks. <laughs> All right. This is me talking here. 16-team Big 12 scheduling scenarios. All right? 18 conference games. You see that. This is what I'm thinking here. Mm-hmm. Three opponents twice, home and away. That's for six. And then the remaining opponents, you play once, each one time, either home or away. Just right there for that one. We'll get into discussion on the other one, other part of it in a moment. What do you think about that? Playing the other 12 members of the conference just once, but you play them every year, either home or away every year. Hmm. That's, 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 so I, I guess I, I, that's nice. I, I will focus on who. Who would the three home and away mm-hmm. be? Right. Have the exact same thinking. Yeah. So, uh, we would could it discuss be pods? It. Would it be rivalries? Yeah. yeah. Would it be Robbers make would more it sense every year? It'd be discussed. You know, what would who would UH who would the rival be? Would it be Baylor? If it's three, would it be Baylor, Kansas, TCU? I don't you know, I don't know. What's the what's better for Everyone involved for the conference, for the media partners, got to keep them in mind too. You know, oh, keep them happy. So who knows? I'm not sure, but that is something to be considered. But 20 conference games, five opponents twice, home and away, and then 10 opponents once, home or away. And of course, and reminder, this is the 16 team Big 12. So you're playing subject to change. So, yes. Well, we think it's still going to be 16 teams. We do not see Gonzaga and UConn coming for hoops only. But that's my next slide in scenario. Well, not those but, teams. But. but in that discussion, yes, but I think the next season, UH and, UH and Kansas, they don't play twice. So that's one reason why they're playing in Mexico. But I think in one of the years projected, they won't. They don't play twice, so it's not going to be home and away. It's just going to be one. That surprised me when I heard that, and I was like, "Y'all sure about that? Because that's two of the top <clears throat> programs in the country, not just in the conference. <laughs> you just don't want to have them play each other one time." I say all this: Big Twelve hoops, Big Twelve men's hoops should be spectacular. Competitive conference games, game in, in every night, night in, night out. Going to 20 conference games, that will cut down on some of the non-conference games. It will give, I think, what, better content to your media partners? If you have 20 conference games. It would give more quad one opportunities for your members. That too, you, you give a chance to play five teams twice. Rather than just once, that's also a benefit. I, all of this, because this is that's my scenario. What if your Big 12 folks say, well, we're not going to play everybody every year. We got mm-hmm. 16 teams. They're going to be some opponents we don't see every year. We'll play them every other year, like in football. Because the bigger the conference gets, the less chance you have to face each other every year. Right. So, yes, you may have 
more quality games in theory. But like the SEC prior to this coming season, who was? Give me an example. Like Georgia hadn't been to College Station like what? Until last season or something. They're like examples. It had been eight years? Or never? Never. Yeah. So in a hoops scenario, I hope they avoid that and just try to face everyone once, whether it's on the road or at home, you know, ro- you rotate it out. So K-State come to UH this season, UH goes to Manhattan next season, but you at least face everyone in your conference. What do you think about that? Andy, Will, D-Skills, Big Thrillo? Maybe I should be hired for as a consultant for the, for the conference. <laughs> come, cut, cut the check, Will. Cut Absolutely. Check. Please believe it. Please believe it. Andy, what do you think? When you look at it from a matchup standpoint, if you're in the Big 12, you're assuming that the men's basketball is going to remain as the premier men's basketball conference when you look at the net rankings. I think that's what makes more sense logically if you just want to make sure that equally every team gets an opportunity to host uh, the big programs at their place and then have to go travel and go pay them a visit within the two-year window. I do think that if you're looking at it where it's you know equally everyone should have an opportunity, I think what gets more tricky is when the TV networks, when the conference itself wants to make sure that the, the top schools each year play at least twice because then there's more ratings, there's more from a TV perspective. Obviously, that's going to garner more eyeballs for the networks and the conference themselves. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure which way would make more sense for the conference, I guess, financially making sure that certain schools play each other twice every year makes more sense, but that's why they don't pay me the big bucks, Chris. What, what do you in audience, what do y'all prefer 18 games or 20 conference games? From an audience perspective, 18 or 20. Cause I would say, well, where's big 10 in that? 18. I think the ACC is at 20. If they're not at 20, they have been discussing it for the ACC network for content on that network. Right. But I mean, I'm a purist. I'm a traditionalist. I would love a round robin. I know it won't happen because of the financial considerations that Andy just discussed. But I would love a round robin. Everybody, what, you know, the big 18 right now, soon to be big 20. Um, with that scenario, you know, you have the 17, you, you pay you play your natural rival twice and everybody else once. So two twenties and one eighteen. Miss Wanda, why are you only one eighteen? I'm kind of curious at that. So I don't know. All right, TI sided with Miss Wanda. Why why you want to go? I really want to say 20, but I gotta go with 18. Why is that? I'm curious, and let me add, one of the things Mr. John Williams mentioned in his interview with me from, was it April? That because they don't have, no longer have the SEC Big 12 basketball challenge in order to still have quality Q1, Q2 opponents or games in non-conference that there will be that's discussed 
not sure if it's been finalized, but I think it's being discussed to have Big 12 teams face each other at a neutral site in December. So it'd be a Q1, Q2 game, but those matchups would not count as conference games. So that is being discussed. If it's thoughts on this, if 20 conference games cuts down on games against Eastern Wyoming State in out of conference, I'm all for it. That's who, not necessarily directional schools, but that's who would get hurt. If the power conferences, the autonomy conferences go to more conference games to appease their network partners or their media partners, it would reduce games against the Czech games, the Czech games, the the mid-major, lower major games, HBCU games. So it would have cut that down. I don't know. I, I hope we don't ever get to a point where non-conference ceases to exist. I don't think it. You know, but in, in a sense of how how many games would Big 12 play each other non-conference? Would it be just one at a neutral site? Would it be two? You know, if it's two and you have 18 conference games or 20, then that's 22 games. You only got seven left or however many, you know. I'm not a fan of that for a number of reasons. Competitive balance, number one, you're playing, you're telling me it's a non-conference game, but I still played them. So now they have film. They have tendencies that when I played yeah. them in the actual conference game, mm-hmm. I, that's to me, I don't, I'm not a fan of that at all. That's that's the old school. <laughs> sound like a coach right there, Mr. Gibson. I mean, yeah. So Ti yeah. doesn't like the idea of playing conference opponent like three times in the regular season. Let's say that because yeah. clear, clearly, yeah, you face them twice in regular season, then face them in the conference tournament, which gets me to another point. Oh, and double buys. There we go. Big Ten, Big Twelve, ACC. You got sixteen team. In a conference, 18, we'll say 20 eventually. Let's just zoom in on the Big 12. Yep. Should all, Andy, I ask you, should all 16 members reach the Big 12 tournament? That's like a week, ter- that's a week long tournament. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. So, should all 16 teams get a shot at that? conference tournament championship yeah that's at least a four-day tournament <laughs> you know that's a it could that's be a five depending on how you do it if you want to get yeah. a bottom four chance what are you gonna call it the opening round right and then the first round and then the second you know whatever and that's assuming that they stay put at, at the current number and they don't continue to expand See, that's a great point that I haven't even thought of. Yeah, it would be from a an outsider perspective, from just a fan of wanting to see a lot of competitiveness and seeing a lot of stakes, more stakes in the regular season. Certainly, it would be really great if there was a cutoff. Say only the top, uh, whatever, pick your number: top 12, 12. top ten, top, top eight, top twelve. 
make the conference tournament, that certainly is going to make the regular season conference games mean a lot more. And imagine if you're on the bubble last week of the season, that <laughs> again, from an in- entertainment aspect, you'll love it. You'll love to see the high, the stakes getting raised. Every game will mean a lot more. I don't know if the conference or the networks will want to do it, but that seems a lot more fun. And it, again, it, it, it raises the stakes for the regular season conference games. It adds does. a little bit of spice. It does, but I'm going to play a devil's advocate. If you're a, a head coach at team 13, 14, 15, or 16, men's as well as women's basketball, and you don't, so you miss out, you miss the cut. Oh, well, y'all, you know, y'all can get me fired. This, t- this conference is tough. This is the toughest conference in, in, in college basketball. And if you played in any other conference, we'd be in the conference tournament. So it, y'all taking money out of my pocket, taking money out of little Jimmy's mouth, his food out of his mouth. Because tough, you know we, had a, we had a tough year. We started slow in conference play. We had some injuries that we didn't expect. We came on strong toward the end of the season, but we finished 13. Yeah. Wow. Tough for you that year? <laughs> Is that what you're saying? Tough for you? Tough, yes. Tough, you know what? Uh, well, obviously, in that hypothetical, there's always going to be concerns. There's going to be pauses um, for concerns. But I think just overall, again, depending on – really, if there, if there are a lot more conference games, say that you do expand to 20, potentially even more conference games, you certainly have to have a cutoff because then – the value of those conference games is kind of like it, it tends to lead to overexposure. And if you're still, if you're going to play everyone at least twice or most teams twice, and then regardless of your record, you still have a chance to be in the conference tournament. Then you start getting, you know, the law of diminishing returns, in my opinion. So again, from an entertainment standpoint, I would love, that'd be a great idea. Have a 12 team cutoff, but it's above our pay grade. We don't make those decisions. I, I wonder what's going to happen next year. I know this. In October at the Big 12 basketball tip-off, so the media days, two, two days, it's going to be, I think, women's, because the Big 12 women's t- the tournaments are both going to be in Kansas City, both at T-Mobile Center next year. So what is that? Next March. So the women's basketball tournament will start first and then men's will conclude. So it might be like a 10 days deal. But the basketball tip-off in October for media day, that's 14 teams. They're going to try to, I, I think, squeeze all 14 teams in women's on one day and then 14 men on a second day. Wow. I think. So who knows what they're going to do <laughs> next year when it's 16 teams. Wow. And that's just for media day. So what would it be for a tournament? And I'm going to ask if I, I may reach out to some folks in the Big 12. Oh, uh, yeah. All, all 14 teams going to make I think all 14 will make it in the conference mm-hmm. tournament in March in 2024. Is that, is that all right with y'all? That all fourteen. It's the last year. 
the Longhorns and Sooners in the Big 12? Is it all right that all 14 teams make it to the Big 12 conference tournament in 24? Yeah, that's fine with me. I've been sitting there thinking maybe they could do something at the Mid-American Conference where they'll do first and maybe first and second round games at the home court site. So they see the teams and the highest seed hosts the first and second round of the conference tournament. And then they bring the top eight to Cleveland, actually, where the, uh, to uh, Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, where the Cavs play mm-hmm. for the quarterfinal semis and finals. So maybe you do a scenario such as that, where you have the first and second round home court, high C home court Colts, and then bring the top eight to the, the tournament. I think Commissioner Yomark would say no. He, you're reducing <laughs> my chances of, to having the Big 12 tournament as an event. You're cutting down on my days to have Shaq Diesel DJ and Rock Nation come shine throughout Kansas City. Just Man, you're not gonna, you, you, you probably don't have the camera showing the crowd because are you going to really have the buy-in from the crowd at that point? Will they come? See, that's the thing. With 14 teams, if all 14, I think all 14 are going to qualify for the tournament in March, how would it be done? Would you just have the bottom four play the first day? I got to figure it out in my head. And so that'd be four winners or two winners. So then you'd be down to 12. And then those, the two, one, two, two, two teams won the first day would face off as part of the first round. You got an open round, then a first round, and then you get to eight for the quarterfinals, then four for the semifinals, and then two for the final. It's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be something to see. But as long as they don't adopt the West Coast conference model. Which is what? Isn't it where they like the lower seats play each other and then the winner advances and then they play like the it basically keeps building up until they reach like the top four seats? Well, like this, I think it's so that sounds like a similar to the Southland Conference where maybe in a, another conference or two where the top two seeds get a double buy or whatever buy until the semifinal. Yep. So they don't play until the semifinals. Because you're trying to help ensure that your two best teams meet in the final and then one of those two teams win the championship to be a better representative of your conference in the NTA tournament. So the stack in the deck. Basically. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, okay. That's interesting. That's for Gonzaga. Lot, lot to digest in this episode 104 <laughs> of Folks Talking Sports. Thank everyone for, for chiming in. Thank everybody for, for watching and asking questions and participating in this discussion. Reminder there, follow FTS on IG and Threads, newly created on both platforms, Folks Talking Sports on both Instagram and Threads. Willie Gibson? Yep. I'm going to give you the big screen. Give me one moment. I'm ready for you, sir. So here we go. Willie Gibson, close this off. How far yes, find you? That's the, I see you already switched it over to X. 
uh, as it says on the crawl, you can actually uh, research, uh, reach out to me on X and Instagram at Will Gibson Seven, and on Facebook at Will Knows. All right, Mister Giannis. Yeah, people can follow me on X at Ayana's underscore five. But most importantly, Chris, like you alluded to, or alluded to throughout the show, it's almost let's rage season as pointing it to the to the screen. So it is that time. If you are interested in advertising or being a part of the show, feel free to reach out. Let's rage coops at gmail.com. And even if you're not, be prepared. September 2. Following Houston, the Houston Cougars football team's inaugural game, their debut as a Big 12 program against UTSA will be the season debut of Let's Rage Cougs. Season two of Let's Rage Cougs. That's right. And I don't like doing it too much, but that's one time. Mm-hmm. I'm KG Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Bar Review. Follow me there on IG threads and TikTok at Houston Round Bar Review website is HoustonRoundBallReview.com. Back to everybody, if I do it right. All right. Gentlemen, thank you for your insight. Everyone, thank you for your time, your questions. Tell your friends about folks talking sports. Andy and I have have been added to a few lists of, of who should we cover, who should we follow regarding Houston athletics, Houston Cougars. Got to get them in the mix to start following Folks talking sports. So we're part of it. Big 12 coverage. Onward and upward for Andy, Willie Gibson, and me, KD Chris Gardner, owner of the Houston Round Bar View. Gentlemen, same time next week, next Sunday. Sir. Sir. All right. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you. Andy, are you going to at some point tomorrow watch the Cougs basketball game rebroadcast versus? The East All Stars streaming on YouTube. Probably might watch some some of it early in the morning as much as I can before I have to head out. I'll probably watch it in full over the course of the day. Because it's gonna it's on YouTube, I believe four o'clock in the morning. In the morning, Houston time. YouTube link is posted on an article on my site, HoustonRoundBarview.com, as well as on UHCougars.com in the schedule section. I don't know much about the opponent. I don't believe they have a lot of great players. I know they're not as talented as the Australian national team that the Cougs will face second on their four-game tour in Australia. And that game won't be streamed. So remember that, folks. The game against Australian national team will not be streamed. Three of the four should be streamed. Game number three, the link has not yet been finalized for it, but it is expected to be streamed also. For Willie Gibson and Yanez, I am KG Chris Gardner. Thank you, as always, for everyone taking time out of your busy days to talk with us and watch us on Houston Round Bar View on YouTube. Until next Sunday, thank you for watching Folks Talking Sports. Take care. Peace.